Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, July 6th. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Cliff. Well, hey there, Johnny. How are you? Good. Um, today, we're going to have a long COVID discussion because there's lots of COVID updates, a lot of disinformation flying around, so it's worth getting into um, any case, so COVID's our big topic. There are a lot of little things to bring up. Uh, today's the six-month anniversary of the insurrection. It was January 6th. Today is July 6th. Uh, I Googled this morning, Cliff. There have been more than 500 arrests to date. So that's good. They think 800 to 1,000 or so stormed the Capitol. So. so you know who's, who's doing really interesting work on this we should think about having on is uh, Ryan Riley, if you're, if oh, you're yeah. a... Uh, fan he's a justice reporter for huff post oh huff post. i'm sorry yeah yeah yeah. he's been around but he used to be a talking points memo i mean he's been in a few spots but what he's doing is he's actually writing a book on the crowdsourced effort by the fbi to arrest all these folks like the first mass crowdsourced effort in u.s history and it's it's fascinating and he's got video from the events and in any case point being I, I've, I've followed his stuff, so I've, so I've kept up on this. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're arresting more and more folks. But then you see some people out there, you know, this guy that just, what, went down to the border with, uh, you know, dumb, oh, yeah. Dumbo number one, Lauren Boebert. Fuentes. And it's like, he's bad. no, it wasn't Fuentes. It was another one. It was he's, another one. I have to look no. at it. Oh, wait a minute. Am I mixing my – oh, you're right. I am mixing my things because – I'm sorry. Fuentes was Gosar. You're right. It was a different named guy. Uh Got a, la- a Latino, another Latino name. I think it was a. Um, yeah. Hold on. Okay. I can't remember, so I'm looking it, it up. You know what? You wouldn't. Know. I didn't know the name. Yeah, you're right. In any Wrong case, yes. large capital tour. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But in any case, she she um, went to the border with Bobert and Madison Cawthorn, by the way. He was there too. Yes, went with this guy, and sort of, and so I, every time I see stuff like that, I ask myself, I'm like, how the hell are these people not in jail? How is she, how's this person still, I mean, the guy went on, he didn't, he didn't there's no proof he did anything violent, but he went onto the Capitol, right, yeah. but the point is, yeah. he went onto the Capitol grounds, which yeah. means he trespassed, he broke the law, how is it not, how is he not? It, what I think might be going on is, is it is possible that they are meticulously building cases. And let's face it, there were like a thousand people that stormed the Capitol and they're up to number 500. So there are 500 people who still could be on their list, but they're building the case. They can't file, they can't arrest you. They can't you know, go to court or whatever, unless they've got some pretty solid evidence or the judge will throw it out. So my hope is, right. I was upset too when I heard he hadn't been charged yet, but then I was thinking, you know, if he wasn't violent, then he's lower on the list. First, they're going after the violent people. Or the people who right. broke into Pelosi's office, things that did more. Okay, that, has, that makes yeah, some sense I, to it. And, and I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, put it that way. I don't know that I'm right, but I'm hoping they're clear. Oh, I mean, it, it would make some sense that you would be right there. So, I'm, you know, yeah. I, I mean, we, I don't, we don't know 100%, but I think that that's sort of, even if it's speculation, it's smart speculation. When I heard he hadn't been arrested yet, I was like, he hadn't been arrested, and now he's palling around with members of Congress. Not to mention- well, that's so, so frustrating, is the fact that he's not arrested means he's out there running around with his little seditionist friends who are actually elected and members of Congress, and that's really bothersome. Even with this guy, again- I would almost say the political stupidity of, of Bobbert and Cawthorn, but actually among his voters and her voters, they probably fucking love it. He's paling around oh, the domestic terrorists. There's, no, there's no problem about it. 
Yeah. Uh, the difference is, is that we, is that it's not an easy thing, but we've actually won the district Bobert comes from before. It's, it leans Republican because it's got Colorado Springs in it, which has got like a religious right segment. That's where that crazy preacher is from. He's very anti-gay for a while. Uh, Dr. Right. What was his name? You, I thought you, do you remember who I'm talking about or no? Let's see. How did, Colorado. I'm very surprised she won a, a Republican leaning district. Well, it's still got like a relatively strong Republican lean. So, you know, but what I'm saying is it's not like Cawthorn's district, which is ludicrous, right? I don't know the the exact numbers, but it's the difference between like a plus five Republican seat and a plus 12 or, you know what I mean? So like she could theoretically with the right candidate actually lose. We've won that district before. Whereas, you know, the sad thing is we put up Mo Davis the colonel against Cawthorn and still couldn't beat him. I mean, right. you know, he had the exact opposites in terms of life experience, <laughs> you know, not being traitors versus serving your country, and we still couldn't win. Yeah. So that's the thing there. Um, Dobson, that was the one who was from Colorado Springs. Remember him? Oh, of course. The religious right lunatic. Yeah, focus on the family. Yeah, that's so that's where he was based. I think he's oh dead God. now. I'm not sure. Yeah, God. I mean, he may, he may not be dead, but but – I don't really care either way. Point being is that is that Colorado, as it's become a more liberal state, that area has been one of the few exceptions because it, it, for whatever reason, a lot of Christian right folks settled there. It became a hotbed of Christian right activity. Um, it's also the Air Force but, Academy, interestingly, in Colorado Springs. Yes, good point. Great point. But there's also other parts that are much more moderate. And so we did have a Democrat from there at one point. It's one of those, again, it's a district. It's hard to win. But if Boebert's approval rating that somebody put out a a poll and a member was a reputable organization about a month ago and her numbers are underwater, even people that voted for her last time are like they're tired of her antics. And that could be enough in a district like that to knock her out. Whereas Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, and and uh, Cawthorn, I think, are in such right-wing districts. I just don't know that we have a chance. Like they would vote for a, for literally, you know, they would vote for a, 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 a box of fruit if it said that I like the Nazis. And uh, the interesting thing with Marjorie Taylor Greene was uh, CNN went and interviewed people in her district, and of course, you know, it's anecdotal, so you take that with a grain of salt, so to speak. Like whether it's mathematically, you know, statistically accurate. But they interviewed people in her district during the whole Jewish week. <laughs> when she, uh, are you, Jewish are you week? eating here? You better share what you're you're eating here. We're hearing like. Uh, I was actually was was drinking Gatorade out of a, a water bottle, but um, yeah. sorry. Share, Go ahead. Share. Um, I'll pour it in, in the in the uh, wire and see if it gets. It to was you just it like. was doing a like. Um, so Marjorie Taylor, so CNN interviews Marjorie Taylor Greene's people uh, in her district, her voters, the week of all of her Jewish bimbo eruptions, when she just kept going after the Holocaust and all that crazy shit. Oh, all the, really, I'll wear a yellow star because they're making me have a vaccine yeah, or wear, all that stuff, or wear a mask or whatever. Yeah, they're. Her voters were not happy. There was one person who voted for her who was like, I'm not voting for her again. And several of the rest who were like, you know, she needs to stop that stuff. The Holocaust. And like literally like these these white guys who don't look Jewish are going, you know, the Holocaust was a big deal. You don't touch that stuff. Like it was very almost the kind of thing I could see my dad saying, you know, I mean, who's Republican well, was Republican, but not crazy and getting just sort of offended in the way good Republicans should. Um, oh, but that's my point is that, is that I think that all three of them are going to lose everybody or at least the majority of people in that category. The issue is, 
whether there are enough of those people yeah. switching in Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn's districts, and sadly, I'm not sure there are, whereas in Boebert's district, there may be, because even those few extra points Democratic that I think it is, and again, I have to look this up to know for sure. I just know in the past, Democrats have won there, you know, and, and right. so it may be possible, which even knocking one of the three of them out, frankly, it's better to have at least one of them there being insane. So it's so that if the Democrats ever decide to message, <laughs> we can point out that, you know, this is who the party is. Um, I'd rather, you know, one of them is fine, although they've had Gomert there forever to do that or Jim Jordan. But, you know, taking out a, a Lauren Boebert would be a pretty sweet thing to do. Yeah. So. Well, and let's see as we approach the midterms, whether it's a Democrats are going to take a bath or Democrats are going to uh, mop up. Having said that, we didn't know we were going to take a bath last time. You know, so I think there's. There's unfortunately. Well, last time was was one of these weird things that you know hasn't happened more recently in in our politics, which was a split decision. We didn't get we we got you're right. We got took a bath on the congressional level, but then we won. You know, we we ended up winning Senate seats that we that really looked almost impossible to win in Georgia. You know, yeah, um, and we won Georgia the presidency. Won. Yep. And we and we won Georgia and Arizona and the Nebraska district and other stuff for the presidency. So I mean, yep. I wouldn't call that taking a bath. I would call it like it was it was a weird thing where Trump turned out his crazies, and what that led to is us losing in certain congressional districts where we normally otherwise would win. But it also by turning out his crazies because he was being crazy, he turned all sorts of voters that were essential in Georgia and Arizona against him. Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha steaks and burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner, finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees, like the world-famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com. There's so much going on in the world that can make it difficult to relax and decompress. You've like, like RFK Jr. Uh, you've experienced the Sunday scaries, that feeling of dread in the pit of your stomach that comes <laughs> on Sunday afternoons. Now here's a totally different Sunday scaries, vitamin boosted CBD gummies. And you don't even have to wait until Sunday night rolls around. Self-care is so important and Sunday scaries is here to help. Sunday scaries believes that everyone deserves a hand on a difficult day. So if you're looking for a way to decompress Sunday scaries, by the way, whoever wrote this copy really knows how to, how to at least mention the brand. You know, give them credit for that. Sunday Scaries, in case you hadn't heard, that's the brand name, uh, has you covered with their CBD products. Visit sundayscaries.com and use promo code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, at checkout to get 25% off your order. That's 25% off at sundayscaries.com with promo code SEXYLIBERAL. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use or sale to persons under the age of 18. Okay, but you know, that- so I mean... 
had a last minute thing. And what I mean by that is in the runoff for Georgia that happened, that was it January. It was, or was it January? No, it was January. It wasn't even December. Was it? Yeah. Forget which. Uh, I forgot. I think it was December. They weren't weren't seated yet though. Remember? Right. Well, because they couldn't, because they were elected in December, they couldn't be seated at the same time. I think they were seated like two weeks later or something. I don't remember it all too much. It was, it was around then. Yeah. December, January. I think maybe right away. It was December, but the, um, uh, but okay. So we did exceedingly well in Georgia and surprised ourselves. But as I recall, we got trounced in the Senate in the November election a month before we were supposed to do way better. And we didn't like pick up any of those seats practically. Right. Or not any, we picked up a couple, right. But, but we did really so we picked up compared to what we thought. Well, yeah, we, we had hoped for better. Yeah. So here's what it was. And, and I can explain Trump it straight up. Things, my, sorry, my final point here is Trump then fucked things up and somehow killed voter turnout in Georgia. But but up until the November election, his but he already here's the deal. He already fucked things up. So Arizona, I believe, and one has to look, but I because of the the roughness of the land, you don't tend to have as many rural. I learned that that was a new thing I learned a couple of years ago. As many rural voters as a lot of other. States do. It's much more urban, suburban. And so in Arizona, he managed to offend the suburbs. I mean, you know, Biden won Maricopa County, which is which at this point, I believe, is 60 percent of the vote in that state because the Phoenix area and the greater Phoenix area has enveloped everything because it's all city and suburbs. Right. right? Um, And so and we won the Mark Kelly seat, you may remember, too. So he so and that was that was remember the Arizona until this point was a lean Republican state. Kirsten Cinema pulled off a bare like remember the, the victory she pulled off was like literally in maybe 10, 15,000 votes. It wasn't a ton. So the, the, so, I mean, you know, I would say that that goes both ways. We lost a few seats that, right. you know, there were a few seats where in rural places they literally just pulled away from us in a way we didn't expect um, Montana, Iowa. Places where we are largely rural, where in the past we've been able to win, he does really well with rural voters. But you take, you know, what you give you with one hand, you take away with the other. And I think it led to the very urban suburban states of Georgia and Arizona being lost. So you do that kind of, you know, so my end analysis would be it killed us in the House, particularly losing 9% more of Hispanic voters in Texas um, in in uh, Florida, it really so I would say that Trump helped them there, but he hurt them in Georgia and in in Arizona, you know, especially on the Senate level, and that made the difference in the end. Um, I think he helped. Sadly, even though we just can't seem to beat her, and she doesn't need any help, we thought we were going to take out Susan Collins, who won relatively easily. She has this independent brand in that state because she's been there forever. And if you've lived there, and I have, I lived and worked in Portland, Maine for a bit against Susan Collins. um, It's hard to undo this faux image of moderate woman she's created there. And, you know, it's a state small enough that you can get to know a decent number of the voters. And that rural district that Trump ended up carrying, Maine too, which is the largest district in the country. It's all northern Maine, very rural, uh, very industrial. Like that's the area where he ballooned the vote. So I don't know if he was the difference in Maine. You may have added a few points to her, but like, you know, so that's what ended up happening is he gave some in some areas, took away in others. But there's a few districts in California, in Texas, in Florida that that, and the, the people, the folks aren't looking at this, you know, the political prognosticators right now. 
I, you know, I think that's the one thing, one of the things that gives me hope in 2022 is I do believe that with Trump on the ballot, they won at least a half dozen seats, if not more, they never should have won. And and I've looked at polling that shows you that these Latino voters or, or Latino Latino voters they're up for grabs. They you know Trump's son, they're they're you know we, we can get into that whole thing we've talked about in the show before. Woke white liberals don't seem to get there to the left of Hispanic voters, African American voters, Asian American voters. Any poll will tell you that. Defund the police stuff scared it according to polling out of some Hispanic voters. Who, are, who live in urban areas and rely on the police, like many of us do who live in urban areas, even if we've got a lot of problems with the police. Be, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it scared middle-aged to older Black voters as well, had they targeted them. So actually it did. <laughs> Not oh, to the same no, because, Can I say real quick? Because the reason is yeah. I've always been amazed when I've uh, spoken to, uh, it started like in 1995 when I was at Children's Defense Fund. I went to this lunch at the Urban Institute and was talking to this woman who worked there or for another organization that did, uh, just worked on African-American, or I should say black, because we're going beyond African-Americans. Yes. So, you know, black, My bad for um, using that term. Well, it's funny. Black was... I don't want to say it was a pejorative. What we used, and then we moved to African-American. And then we moved to African-American, but then people realized that there are black people here who aren't of necessarily African origin. <laughs> and it became sort of this, I mean, maybe well, originally. That's why it was always, I'm somebody yeah. who doesn't like to, to argue. If you tell me to, if people tell me they want to be called something, I'm yeah. good with it. It never made a ton of sense to me, if I'm being honest, only in that, like, you get into this area where if somebody's from Africa, you can't call them African-American or from the Caribbean or whatever. It just created a weird dynamic where yeah. we're referring to people as African-American that were, in fact, not American. Because so that was- if you're a Haitian immigrant to the U.S., your origins are probably black, I would think. I mean, African, but you're you're not really African. I mean, you're not. So my point is, I'm yeah, okay if you a, don't want to be called anyway. black. I'm, I'm yeah. good with calling you whatever you want. It would have been easier yeah. if it was a term that was more all-encompassing of everyone. Well, but that was recognized. <laughs> this isn't Cliff and me saying it. It, it, that it was recognized that it wasn't broad enough. In any case, um, <laughs> sorry, we were, I hate when we do well, our education. Went off to the side there, yeah. Um, well, it'd be like if you called somebody from Israel Jewish American. No, no, no. I think people would be like, that. you'd be like, well, you're not. <laughs> you know? Okay, go ahead. Where, where were we? Um, with this, <laughs> our little tangent. That was the problem. But you were, you had brought up, you had brought up yep. that you said, well, I wonder if this had some on. I think you said, did you say middle class, older black voters? Yeah, because and anyway, my answer to you is, I've seen the polling. It didn't have the pronounced effect yeah. that it had among yeah. because because black voters are still a much more integral, like core part of the Democratic Party. There's more of a swing right. element among Latino voters, right. uh, but it did. Uh, Biden, I think, did two points, maybe three points mm-hmm. worse than Hillary did on black voters. Not a huge amount, but right. still. Yeah. Go ahead. But there is a, no, just that there is a, um, there is a law and order bent in the black community. Um, I don't know if it's with youth, but certainly I think people middle-aged to older, um, I, this woman I was talking to, she, she was telling me about her dad. I remember and She was like, Oh God, my, I, I really do like anecdotes, even if they're not totally statistical, but she was telling me and she goes, Oh God, my dad. Mind you, oh, by the way, this was in the middle of that crime surge in the 1990s, and we were talking about crime among black youth. 
And yep. this woman was talking about it to me, okay, African-American woman. And she was saying that if her dad had his way, he would execute all of them. She goes, oh, he'd have the death penalty for every single one of them. So, And I think a lot of that sentiment still exists. And we've talked about that in the show before. I've come out and said numerous times how I, even I, who don't consider myself of that wokish variety in the slightest, thought, you know, I try to look and think about things in a, in a thoughtful way and not just knee-jerk, although that Twitter encourages you to be knee-jerk. But, and my reaction, you know, Ralph Northam, the governor of Virginia, spent hanging out with the guy even in, in a, was it a Klan outfit in, just as a joke oh, for Halloween about – Yeah. Well, he I mean, said it was a joke. My reaction was – Whereas my reaction to, let's say, an Al Franken versus a Weinstein, I've told you my feelings on those things that we, we erase nuance and we do these things. But my reaction was Northam's thing was so bad that he has to step down. And then I saw that the black community in Virginia, a majority of them wanted him to stay. They saw him as an ally. They knew that he had been fighting for them in the years since. Uh, and to his credit, after he did stay on, He's probably got one of the most progressive, he may have the most progressive racial record in the history of any Southern governor. I mean, he has pushed so many things to make up for that thing. So, you know, at that point, maybe black voters just had more wisdom than I did and decided, okay, you know, like I shouldn't. And that's what I'm saying here, which is when it comes to, to numerous issues that the black community, the Latino community there is more religious by far than white secular liberals. They're just are things that where there are disagreements. And so my whole point overall was like, I'm not shocked that the polling by, and one of them was by that group data for progress or whatever. And yeah. they're very much to the left. This yeah. isn't coming from some like, you know, DLC third way. No, no, they no, even no, exist no, anymore. No, it's coming from yeah. a very progressive. It said the defund message and you know, the, oh, they're going to let it. That's interesting. They did that they're going to let crime, you know, come and, you know, they don't want to fight crime kind of thing with the, that, that probably, you know, they can't say that alone, but it was also that we tried to follow uh, COVID protocols. And a lot of the voters are talking about, especially among the lower ones that have less education and lower propensity among the black and Hispanic population. If they have more education, like white voters, same deal, more likely to turn out. But the ones with less education that were more li less likely to turn out um, by not going in, you know, as we would say uh, in, in the political world, touching them as in how many touches, how many times did you go by their house and talk to them, drop off literature, speak with them about issues. The fact that we didn't do that face to face and Republicans yep. did was a big part of this, too. And nobody's analyzing that enough and putting it in there that, you know, we could be set up to win six, eight House seats back without even doing anything. Right. right. With just putting up good candidates and not letting that message dominate without Trump on the ballot. So it's worth looking at looking at these things, because but what I would say to you, John, is to, to sum this up is is the 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 right wing populism attacking us or being weak on, uh, you know, defund and socialism. To me, I think the whole Trump sort of message and existence had the effect of handing us the presidency, handing us the Senate and almost costing us the House. I think that would be the honest way of looking at it. Okay, let's move so. on. Um, uh, just little tidbits. Uh, tomorrow is the 75th wedding anniversary of Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, just kind of cool. And they're, I, I believe they may be 93 and 96. It's a crazy, it's crazy their age. <laughs> um, 
old is Jimmy. I could talk to my phone, but remember whenever I talk to my phone, it does crazy things. Yeah, Jimmy Carter's 96. Rosalind's 93. There you go. Wow. Well, here's the thing. What's interesting is um, I think it's inarguable. I think, no. in other words, you, no one could could put up a realistic argument that anyone has had close to the impactful post-presidency that Carter's had. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, whether it's building houses when he's in his 90s for, for people that need housing, you know, or he's off abroad helping us negotiate peace treaties. The dude has been like literally uh, a statesman in every sense. And he moved back to the same house he grew up in, in the same small town. He didn't grab the bucks. He didn't go for the, the wealthy lifestyle. He didn't do any of that stuff. And I'm not going to rip Democratic past presidents. I'm just going to say no past president has done that. <laughs> All of them. Have, have, have matured to cash into some level. I think Obama has been a little more circumspect about it, but he right. even compared to Carter has, has done those kinds of things. And, and so it's kind of funny to watch like Republicans now, I think it may have been Ted Cruz the other day is one of these, it's, it's, it's often these Gen Xers, like, you know, my age, who are, you know, your age too, I guess you're Gen X, aren't you, John? I'm both. I'm right on the cusp of Gen X. And right on the cusp. So uh, Gen Xers who, uh, and Ted Cruz is just about my age. I think he's a year older than me. Um, who, who, like you know, grew up, uh, came of age in the Reagan years, and you know, Carter was seen as the ultimate repudiation and attack. Oh, you're Jimmy Carter. And I don't think they get anymore that first of all, it's how many years it's been. It's been forty years. A lot of people, you know, have have, have forgotten any of the negatives. Uh, when it comes to Carter, certainly older Republicans, because they'll never forget, but a lot of folks have. And what they've seen is glowing coverage of this man now yeah. in the years since he was president, not to mention, oh, by the way, you know, the thing that, that one of the things he most talked about, the solar panels on the roof of the White House and clean energy. He was yeah. fucking right. He was so ahead of his time. He was ahead of, frankly, he was ahead of Al Gore, who was ahead of his time. So it it, it is interesting, you know, that in any case, I'll throw it to you, but, uh, but it was just funny you brought that up because I saw that by Ted Cruz the other day. We're all like, you wish that you could enter the history books with the image this man has and will. <laughs> yep. No, I've got nothing to add on Jimmy Carter. I mean, I'm not really a Jimmy Carter expert, but it, but it has been interesting how he uh, became a statesman and definitely left office under a cloud because <laughs> he was considered a micromanager um, who couldn't really manage, basically. Like he wanted to be in charge of everything and involved in every decision and every deep, but every detail of every decision and just, you know, and he had the other thing is he had bad luck. I mean, obviously what happened when we were trying to get the hostages didn't help Um, the oil crisis, which got blamed on him. Uh, You know, some other things that I don't think he contributed to. I'm not saying he didn't make mistakes. He wasn't perfect. But I think the other the other thing, um, and you're running that, against Ronald Reagan, mind you. That's a whole other. Well, thing. yes. I mean, a, a generational talent when it comes to putting a nice face on conservatism. I mean, you all see what the face is that's on conservatism today. They can't find anybody to put a nice face on. Yeah. They're all snarling beasts. Um, but I would say the other thing is is which he was notorious for, and I think Obama took some of this flack too, is coming in. To, to to Washington after not serving time. I think Clinton got some shit there too. After not serving time in uh, the in D.C. and and right away, sort of having a, a little bit of a my way or the highway approach and offending even the Democratic Congress. People forget that when Carter got there, the Democrats had controlled Congress since the fifties. 
right? Um, the House, particularly, right? I mean, they lost the Senate in '80, but uh, but I, I'm trying to remember how close the Senate was during Carter's term. I don't remember, but it was certainly something where where you know he still had a majority, and you know, in the end, he he really was at loggerheads with members of Congress. He didn't figure out how to work with them. And I think, I think he mellowed and he got some perspective in his older age and probably would have done it differently. Um, but in any case, I mean, you know, those guys had a fiefdom. People forget when you control the committees and all that stuff and in yep. the house and you had since what, 58, something like that. It'd been a long time. So yep. I may um, be getting that wrong, by the way, it's 56 or 58 right. or 50, somewhere in there. But all right, I'm moving two fun stories to the end. Let's jump into the COVID stuff because there is there's a there's a lot of detail here that I think is worth talking to people, especially since I think the disinformation machine is going to get revved up. Uh, just so folks know, I think here's how I'll sort of uh, frame the discussion on why there's news, and then we can talk about some of the details that I was telling Cliff before the show. Somebody who at least is somebody we all know online, a, a liberal sort of writer, et cetera. His whole family came down with COVID, all sorts of little data. But bottom line is there's new data out of Israel. Um, Israel vaccinated its population early. So there's a lot of data there. Uh, they're one of, it's one of the places where we've got the longest data going back Correct. in terms of, in terms of uh, what worked, which, how the different variants are working. They were very aggressive about getting the, the, even if they had to overpay a little bit, we've talked about this before, getting the vaccines in early and getting into people early and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. 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 And one of the questions now is whether therefore Israel will also, and well, it should have data before everybody else as to whether boosters are necessary. Because again, if you if your population got the da- uh, the shot earlier, then it's wearing off earlier, so to speak, compared to us. So <clears throat> the latest data out of Israel, the Delta variants going wild, of course. And there's been, it's funny, there was some data that actually had a positive spin, even though it sounded bad. And there was some data that was negative. The positive spin data they were saying is that half of the deaths in Israel were coming from uh, people who had been vaccinated with Pfizer, right? That's that is kind yeah. of scary, yeah. And people were saying, wow, that's really scary. Well, what the, and I talked to an epidemiologist friend too, who works at NIH, what the analysis is of that is seniors are always going to be more likely to die. Seniors without the vaccine and seniors with the vaccine, right? If everyone's Correct. got the vaccine, Who's more likely to die? Because we know the vaccines aren't perfect. Well, seniors are more likely to die than you and me, and you and I are more likely to die than your kids in their teen years. So what they think is happening is seniors are dying and people who aren't vaccinated are dying. So that what they found was uh, the uh, nobody under 50 died in Israel. It's all people over 50, which unfortunately are starting to become seniors for COVID purposes. So they're thinking the vaccine actually works. What we're seeing is the people in the middle are not dying at all. And now you're seeing the fringes and the fringes are unvaccinated and the fringes are seniors who are vaccinated. So put that aside for a second. The real data that's getting interesting is our people are starting to get infected who have the Pfizer vaccine. Now, obviously, uh, Pfizer was around 95% efficacy and that number, and I keep forgetting, but that number, Cliff, was the number of people who would even get the disease, period. So right. it was really good that you wouldn't get the disease if you had Pfizer at all, even mild symptoms or no symptoms. What's happening in Israel now, the latest data is showing anywhere from 60 to 80% efficacy at stopping the uh, 
uh, at stopping the at stopping mild stopping disease. your right stopping mild disease. So in other words, just catching it because no disease you wouldn't really know. You'd have to test everybody every week to say, oh, do you have the disease? I don't know. Oh, I'm asymptomatic, right? So they look at mild disease. Like I get a sore throat or a a little nose thing and I go get tested. So 60 to 80% instead of 95 for Pfizer to stop the disease at all, but they're still finding around 90% effectiveness at stopping serious disease or hospitalization or death in that case, even less. What's worrisome is, you know, with Pfizer, they were saying you're pretty much guaranteed not to have serious disease or hospitalization. Now it's 90% more effective, but it's not 100%. Right. So, you know, people are getting worried, rightfully worried, what people are saying, unfortunately. And this has been, I told you when I set up my TikTok account a few weeks ago uh, to do news updates, and it's been a fascinating case study and right-wing disinformation. You've been listening to a free excerpt of the Unprecedented Podcast. To hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media, please go to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode.